This morning, I want to take us to a faith that works by love. Of all the dynamics and in those arenas of stress, arenas that we have stressed, trying to, you know, identify, trying to build, trying to uh, uh, grow in our faith, more confident. It was just prior to the new year that God spoke to my heart and said, I, you know, want more faith out of you in 18. And I didn't take that as a rebuke. I didn't take it as a put down. You know? I took it as, you know what I mean, God was wanting to lift me up higher. And that's what we would like to entrust that this does, you know, is lift us up higher. Before the, the, uh, they give us our scriptures on the overhead, I want to read to you from Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. Paul says, And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more. Room for growth. Room for improvement. Then he goes on to say, in the knowledge and all discernment. I'm convinced that love needs to be educated. Love needs to be educated. Paul spent the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 13, educating us about love. The epistles of John, by and large, spend all of his writings educating us about love. Because there's so many variables, definitions, and assumptions about love that sometimes needs guidance. We're going to talk about the practical side of love today, and in order to talk about the practical side of love or embrace the practical side of love, it must be rooted and grounded, you know, in the knowledge of love, of the one who has loved us, or the purpose of love. God's love. And so if you have those two passages of scriptures, and we'll refer to a lot of scriptures, but we'll just put these couple up there. Uh, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working by love. We love bookends, but somehow he takes bookends away and gives us more of a, of a uh, condition. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And what I'm going to be talking about this morning is not going to be new to you, but I hope it will stir things and refresh you and, 
and, and that we will grow. Now, by faith, hope, and love, these three, but the greatest of these is, is love. You've heard the phrase, and we've probably said it ourselves when we talk about God. We said that love has no boundaries. And that's true. But relationships do. Love has no boundaries, but relationships do. This is a quick point of reference. God's great love, but the relationship of that love is to believe. The first and second commandment is the boundaries of relationship. Not the boundaries of God's ever-reaching love. Thou shalt love the Lord, thy God. With all thy heart, thy soul, thy mind, will and thy strength, and thy neighbor as thyself. Let me give you just a, a couple of things, I think, that relate, but not directly. All right? Life is an investment opportunity. Seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you is an investment opportunity. Our eternal perspectives affects our earthly priorities. It was the eternal perspectives of Jesus that affected his earthly priorities. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised his shame. It didn't move him. Because he had some eternal perspectives. What does it mean to lay treasures up in heaven? I think it means living life with open hearts and open hands. Laying treasures up in heaven. Secondly, in view of the, this great thing called love as having the preeminence in our lives, I think that we are called to be a lighthouse and not a courthouse. So we try to discover the real meaning of love. Because it's been abused, it's been crucified, it's been defined by man. And yet, it's so relevant and important to to life. It's tough to define love. It's very difficult. To try to define love is to try to go ahead and explain to you 
you know, what an orange feels like or tastes like. Same with love. You have to taste it to really get a hold of its flavor. I hope that speaks something to you because, you know, you're never going to get your, you know, satisfactory, totally complete definition of love. This is the great principle of the God life. Well, think about this. There would be no redemption without love. The greatest of these is love. There would be no redemption without love. There would not be faith and hope without love. The fact of the matter is that you can love people without forsaking the truth and convictions. You can give a hug without embracing a lifestyle. With love, we become a magnet for Christ rather than our mouth becoming a grenade. We know that love paves the way for faith. It is love that gives us strength to fight your weaknesses. It helps us survive the bad times. Helps to fight off negative thoughts. Without love, you can survive. But with love, you can learn how to live. This is my style of preaching. Little capsules. It's love that nurtures hope. It loves that wants to build relationships, not walls. I think that love first breaks down the walls in the heart rather than in the head. And in love, God wants us to know that he's after sons and daughters, not just converts. Not just converts. And I think that I get those from the the dynamics of what the scripture talks about, you know, love. We know that love attracts. Love creates harmony. It unites, it binds together. We know that there, the practical side of love, that love is a practice. We are not called just to be happy Christians. 
but to be vessels, to be hands, to, you know, be that expression, that channel, that avenue of God's love, having experienced God's love. And therefore, we pass that love on to others. Love. It's what we could refer to as God's short law. God's short law is love. Love. It is... It is the standard of every human act that, whether or not is considered right and virtuous, if it conforms to divine love. So number one, love is first of all relationship. It's relationship. It's your spiritual life. It's the cause, the reason that there can be relationship. We sing about how God's love has no boundaries, but yet we discover that relationship has boundaries. Trying to navigate this thing called love. Secondly, love leads to the observance of divine commandments. Whosoever loves me keeps my commitments. Another great thing about love that it provides protection from adversity. Because God loves us, all things work together for good that love God and do according to his purpose. Love, it says, with the apostles' writings is a litmus test for genuine faith and in Christ Jesus. First Corinthians 13 and 1. You know these. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels and but have not love, I'm becoming sounding brass and clanking cymbals. It's not really good listening. Though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And though I bestowed all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. He said, in the sense of the word, that eloquence without love is meaningless. Insight without love is inadequate and sacrifice without love is useless. (laughs) 
So many see truth as somehow being there to compete with love, and it really does not. Love does not compete with truth and holiness and doctrine. Love and wrath are not at odds with one another. For Jesus Christ is both the love of God and the wrath of God. So as sometimes they try to narrow us down and squeeze us into some kind of, you know, What was I trying to say there? You know, legalism. It was Jesus who said that this love that we have for one another is is going to be the the flag, the ensign. But they shall all men know that you're my disciples as if they love one for another. His vision for the church was that it would be a community of believers who love one another. James chapter 2 calls it the royal law. The royal law. Yeah, and so then we come to that same passage of Scripture, and then he begins to show us the character of love. The boundaries of relationship. Love suffers long and is kind. Does not envy and does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Doesn't behave rudely and does not seek its own. It's not provoked and thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity. Rejoices in truth. Bears all things. You, you know those, the, 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 them. You know what I mean. But they're powerful. Paul writes this. Presents this central Christian theme and virtue of living to a church that was loved but somehow needed some adjustments in how they loved or the position of their heart the disposition of their heart notice what it says in a nutshell it had everything going for it Strong teaching. There was, you know, great insights. 
There's profound giftedness and dynamic worship. It's what everybody looks for in a church. House of worship. Yet Paul steps in and says, I notice that there's all of this going on. But somehow the disposition of the heart is is more about you, the individual, than about them, the individual. No wonder he got himself in trouble. (laughs) Really. I mean, come on. Imagine... A statement, if I give my body to be burned, how many know that is, that's complete sacrifice? That's laying it all on the line. That's, that's leaving nothing, nothing to yourself. But he says, if you don't have love, let me simplify it. If you don't nurture relationship, and if it's, you're not doing it, you know what I mean, for the other's benefit, is it really love? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, what, for others? Paul says, I I want you to improve your love. All the way to martyrdom is nothing without love. Because he says, really, without love, All the somebodies are really nobodies. And all the nobodies with love are somebodies. We love God because he first loved us. It was Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. The apostle writes and says, God is not unrighteousness to forget your Labor of love. Labor of love. I love it. It's not about performance. But it's really about the love of Jesus flowing through us. The practical side of love is that you can't say you love God 
if you don't love your brother. That it doesn't work because that's not what true love really is. That's not where relationship is. That's not the form- formula. Now don't get so quiet. <laughs> You're not guilty. Are you? How many think, you can raise your hands on this one. How many think you can improve in your love? Sure. We just, we just, that's what it's about. You know? He's saying that love gives faith impact. <coughs> gives faith that impact. It, it's, it's, it's a transformational power. It's letting people see your heart. Along with your hands. Then he tells us in, about what love really looks like. It suffers long and is in kind and is kind. And he goes on to walk us through many of those things that are the normal attitude of, of love. And he says that faith must pass the love test before its results are valid. Or rather, excuse me, not results. Before its actions and its deeds are valid. Must pass the love test. Though I have the gift of prophecy to understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Faith is not just knowing that God is the Almighty, but that there is nothing too hard for him to do, and that is because of his great love for us. He has given us his divine power, whereby everything that pertains to life and godliness is ours through Jesus Christ. It's not just revelation knowledge of God's supernatural power, but it's understanding God's supernatural love. The demons believe and they tremble. This faith that works by love, you know, is a trust. Because of knowing the God, that is God's willingness to do all these things for you. 
not just his ability and power to do them. Do you get that, church, this morning? See, faith says God has all the power. Love mixed with that says that God is more than willing to exercise his power on behalf of you because of his love. Love motive is so great that you can have the wrong method but yet have the right motive and there's credibility to it. Think about it. You've all experienced it and you know the difference of it. You've walked up with people, you've met people, you know, and you've talked with people and, you know, they were way out in left field. But somehow, you know what I mean? Their motive was so pure. But their method or their knowledge, that's what Paul says in, you know, in, in Philippians. Their knowledge of it needed and could be improved. That's what God is saying when he says to, you know, Samuel. Samuel, I know what you're looking at. And I know what I'm looking at. He said, I'm looking at the heart. I'm looking at, you know, the posture, the position of the heart. How many know that David was not ready to be king at 17? (laughs) Not a chance. It was a role he couldn't, uh, you know, walk in. The shoes were way too big. But because of the posture and the position of his heart, God could speak to his future. Fundamentally, Eliab was, was ready to be king. He was a warrior. He knew what the battlefield was like. He no doubt had been in the presence of Saul enough to know how kings operate and how kings function. But he knew the methods. But what was missing? was the posture of his heart. Aren't you glad that the positions of our hearts can change? Okay. Now, his never really did, okay? Because he envied David. Well, love doesn't do that. Love is happy about your promotion. (laughs) Love is so glad that you got it. See, this kind of love 
is grounded not only in the, the, the boundary, boundaryless love of God, but also in that the love of God is full of wisdom. Full of wisdom. Not merely his supernatural power, but his, his great supernatural love. And so he says in 1 Corinthians 13 and 13, and I'll abide of faith, hope, and love these three, but the greatest of these is love. Where true love dwells, I'm confident that God himself is there. Both faith and love are a heart issue. Love is more powerful than fear. Love overcomes barriers to love. One of the barriers is forgiveness or unforgiveness, excuse me. But love for Gives. Faith, hope, and love. And there's so many things about faith's growth as it's connected to love, having proper motivation and, and behavior. Look what Paul says is the fruit of being attached to the vine in Galatians chapter 5. Now, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness. Fruit being attached. What is it? It's relationship, church. It's relationship. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. It's what do you want out of the relationship? To what degree do you want the relationship to mature and grow and function? Not only with you and God, but you and people. It's amazing that Paul prays that we could, we could grow in this, in this love. You know, in another one of his writings, you know, he talks about how we, we need to nurture it. Nurture our love. How does faith that works by love, what does it serve? Does it first serve gifts? Does it first serve, you know, Sacrifice. The first thing that faith serves is love. It's not only a, you know, 
faith working by love, but it is the meal by and large that faith serves. It's the first thing that God served. He served love. Based upon the fact and the faith, and I mean, what the sacrifice would do, the outcome, he served love. Now, yes, it translates and transmits through, through the hands, through actions, but he says we can have all of those and still not be serving love. Amen. And that's why he says in Galatians chapter 5, verse 13, through love, serve one another. Thank you for serving. God's love is boundless, but relationship has bounds. Galatians 5 and 14, for all the laws fulfilled in one word, even in this, you shall love your neighbor as your self. This is the new commandment I give to you that you, that, that you love one another as I have loved you. You also love one another. Whew. It boils down to the why, the motivation the reason God's first motivation was not you know because you were a sinner but because he loved you now you happen to be a sinner but he loved you for God so first thing was love. That was what he was. That's what he is. That is his heart. That is his nature. That is his spirit. That is what he functions from. That is who I am, he says. And out of that, he's willing to give the most precious Nothing in return. Nothing in return. Not, you know what I mean? It's not like I'm going to love you once, maybe twice, maybe three times, but if I don't get something back, there's no fourth time coming. That love is always there. It's just the relationship that's not brought into place. Love. 
ask my musicians to come this morning. So Paul tells us what love looks like. And so in all of this, as we started this year out and trying to build our faith and being more confident, more exercising, having faith that has works with it, we have to go back and What is my heart posture? What is, what is the position of my heart? Is it so much what I get out of it or what they get out of it? Is there anything that you can give God? Can you enrich God in any way? No. You know, when he said, you know, through the writers, he said, you know what I mean? He, he said, where's the sacrifice that you will bring me? I own the cattle on a thousand hills. But I'm going to do it all because I love you. And I want a relationship with you. Why'd you get married? Or why do you seek someone out? You want relationship. God was seeking out relationship. Because relationship, we were the benefactors of it. We were the benefactors of it. If I have enough faith to move mountains and I don't move the mountains for the right reason, getting the mountain out of the way misses the mark. Somebody give the Lord a praise because there it is. Right, church. what he's saying hallelujah being just frank sometimes I want to preach because I want to preach real good because then I feel real good and you don't feel too bad yourself and <laughs> then I have to go back and say it's the wrong reason 
It's the wrong reason. It's got to be you. It's got to be him that his name is glorified, that his truth is honored, that his love is portrayed, that it's, it's, it's demonstrated. And thank God I can make adjustments. I can make adjustments. When it tries to weigh in, I can say, no, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Paul did not say either or. Aren't you glad about that? He said you don't have to throw away your abilities. You don't have to throw away, you know what I mean, your sacrifice. You don't have to throw away your eloquence. You don't have to throw away your insight. You know what I mean? You don't have to throw any of that away. You just have to get your heart in right position and place. Why can you do it? Why can we do it? Because we've already been loved. We love because he first loved us. That's what it's all about, church. It is, it is what has flowed in that flows back out. Father, thank you today of the living potential that you have asked us to be fountains and rivers and oceans of love just as you are love. Father, help us to improve in our true knowledge of love, in our true expression of love. God, the world so needs to know that you love us. You said that it can't happen until they see us in how we love one another. Oh, hallelujah. 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 I'll close with this, guaranteed. Do you see that? Let me, let me point it out. It's not just conveying God, how much God loves. It's conveying how much we love. They shall know that we are his disciples by how we're loving one another. You know that the world out there, the problem that they have most of the time is not that of God's love. 
but ours. It's ours. <laughs> it's ours. We're going to change that. We're going to improve that. Because we've got the guideline of what love really is. Shows us how to walk and live love out in real life. God bless you. You're blessed in Jesus' name.